the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. Of... Welcome back to a brand new episode here at Sake On Air, the world's first podcast dedicated entirely to expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. In our last episode, part one of the special two-part series, Visiting Producers, Revising the Lost Art of Kamechikomi, we spoke with Mr. Ken Kojima of Kojima Sohonte, makers of Toko Brand Sake and Yamagata Prefecture. This week, we travel to the town of Gosei in Nara Prefecture to chat with Mr. Chobe Yamamoto, who represents 13 generations of sake making at Yucho Shuzo, best known for the sake brand Kaze no Mori. Yamamoto-san has not only reinstated the use of traditional Kame earthenware pots into brewing, but he's also restored and constructed an entire new brewery committed entirely to Kame Jikomi. In this episode, Yamamoto-san gives us a little bit of background into the role of Nara and the temple brewing that took place there, which laid the groundwork for modern sake brewing providing perspective as to exactly why it is that it makes so much sense for a brewery like Yujo Shuzo to be de dedicating the resources to these all-but-lost brewing traditions. We hope you enjoy part two of this special two-part series. And so with that, we'll go ahead and jump right into our interview with Mr. Chobe Yamamoto of Yujo Shuzo. All right, and I want to welcome our listeners back once again to this episode of Sake on Air. And as mentioned at the start, we are re-examining uh, returns to more traditional styles of sake production. And this week, we are focusing on a couple of breweries that have returned to using uh, what they call kamejikomi. And one of those are the folks down at Yucho Shuzo in Nara, makers of Kaze no Mori. Uh, Kaze no Mori is probably the name that you, uh, our sake fans out there, will be familiar with. And I'm joined today uh, by 13th generation uh, president, Mr. Chobe Yamamoto, to let us know exactly how they got into that and how they returned to that and exactly what the plans are for that for the future. So uh, Yamamoto-san, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for making some time to join me this afternoon. Hi, thank you very much for uh, inviting me. Thank you. Great. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, we'll go ahead and just get started here. And just so our listeners are familiar, I imagine a lot of our uh, listeners uh, are probably familiar with the name Kaze no Mori, but uh, just tell us briefly a little bit about yourself and the brewery and the sake that you make. Okay. So my name is Chobe Yamamoto, and I'm the 13th generation president of Yucho Shuzo established in 1719. The brewery is located in Gose City, Nara Prefecture. Up until the 1700s, my family made a living producing rapeseed oil, but the country became more affluent and the demand for sake increased. My family began sake brewing. Our primary brand, of sake is called Kaze no Mori with a focus on Murokanama sake. The label represents modern techniques and new ideas combined to communicate sake 
to the next generation. Brilliant. I am, I am a Kazenomori fan myself. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> very, very familiar, very familiar. Uh, so Kazenomori, however, is very different from this uh, relatively new project that you've got started using, uh, I guess, what we'll call uh, Kamejikomi. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what the inspiration was for this project in reviving uh, Kamejikomi and sort of what the objective, what the goals are for this project? Uh, Nara is generally regarded as the birthplace of sake, which is significant in relation to the Kamejikomi project. During my father's generation, Yucho Shizo became a member of a group that roughly translated to Bodaimoto Focused Defined Sake Production Research Group of Nara Refactory, founded in 1996, where my brewery has since played an active role supporting the production of a Bodaimoto style sake at Bodaisen Shoryakushi Temple. This initiative combines the cultural, technical, and the scientific components of brewing practices. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm, 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 from, yeah I'm, I'm familiar with the project. It's really special. It's really exciting. Mm -hmm. And we recently released a new brand called Mizuhana, which utilized and evolved many of these traditional brewing techniques. One of the components that we set out to revive was brewing in traditional kame pots. Allow me to explain a little about the origin of sake and its relationship to the brewing practices established in temples. Temple brewing peaked between 1300 to 1500. The large national temples of Nara and Kyoto from the 600s onwards served as central educational research and political institutions. However, by the Muromachi period from 1336 to 1573, civil wars had disrupted the countries. As a result, the temples could no longer rely on financial resources from the state and the nobility. Instead, temples made sake from the rice they could obtain from within their locality and they distributed it to secure financial resources. This type of sake was called soboshu, which roughly translated to monk's sake. Monk's sake was produced at the Bodaisen Shoryaku temple, which is largely regarded as the birthplace of sake, as well as the famous Kohukuji temple, both of which are located in Nara. It is similar to the history of wine and beer making in temples and monasteries in medieval Europe. There was a time in many nations around the world when religious institutions were centers of power 
and shaped national and cultural standards. Sake produced here in Nara during the Middle Ages is considered to be the origin modern sake. Both pressing and pasteurization techniques were established, resulting in greater stability and consistency. The change in brewing vessels from earthware pots or kame to large wooden tanks known as kiyoke led to an increase in productivity, which in turn gave rise to the concept of brewing a starter, as well as the iconic three-stage brewing processes associated with sake production, known as sandan shikomi. And this was also the era of morohaku, which is the term that refers to polished rice being used for both kame, kakemai, and kojimai. All of these basic techniques and standard brewing practices established here in the temples of Nara laid the groundwork for the sake production that proliferated throughout Itami and Nada during the Edo era. The shift to seasonal brewing in the 1700s then formed the basis of the modern brewing processes that are still practiced today. Details supporting all of this are outlined in the Muromachi era texts, Koshu no Nikki and Kohukuji Tamoin Nikki, and early Edo era text known as Domo Shizoki. See, yeah, that's fascinating. I'm really glad you actually took a moment to share that with us because there is uh, obviously there were incredible innovations during the Edo period, right? That really established mm -hmm. um, a lot of the practice that we see today. But there are very clear, distinct records that that show all of these skills and techniques developed in Nara, in these temples, in these places that are the foundation for essentially everything. And it's, for some reason, it just doesn't get talked about enough, which is which is fascinating and a little sad because gosh, mm. I, Nara deserves to be on the map <laughs> as a result. <laughs> it's really, it's really exciting. So that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's incredible. And so a key, so then a key part of this then is using these pots from the number of breweries that are actually doing this right now are basically none. <laughs> there are basically mm -hmm. none. And so to go back and do this, how difficult was it to source these pots? Or can, could you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about the process of sourcing them and sort of the challenges that you face there? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we currently use eight 300 liter kame, which we asked a uh, shigaraki ware potter to fire for us. Kame can be used almost forever if there are no cracks. Back in the day, kame was mostly bizen ware, but very few large size bizen ware kame now exist. We found a kame pot in the brewery, which is slow to date from the end of 16th century. And the Amanozan Kongoji temple, which flourished as a temple brewery, 
also has a kame pot used in blue ink. The new kame we had made are based on both of these. That's that's great that you had a that you had a, a an example to work from that was yeah yeah I had one in our brewery. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm. So you have these kame and you start working with this. You have to decide right what kind of sake you're actually going to make. <laughs> you know, given mm -hmm. now that you have these, what what types of sake is it that you're now making using these kame jikomi and and why is that how do you approach building recipes and mm -hmm. what did sort of the early brewing uh the early the early brewing work what is it what does it look like in this style mm -hmm. okay um the brand name mizuhana means new beginnings the brand message is reproduction of forgotten ancient nara techniques based on the literature of the time, but with a modern touch. Mm. This is the, our brand uh, concept. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. Mm -mm. The Mizuhana label sake has uh, three guaranteed character characteristics. The Mizuhana label sake has three guaranteed characteristics. Uh, one, brewed in the large traditional earthenware kame pots. And two, brewed at our Kyoho brewery, which was renovated specifically to serve the traditional production methods needed to produce Mizuhana. The brewing techniques, the three, the brewing techniques used uh, all based on classical Nala developed brewing method. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I, we will produce two types of Mizuhana. Uh, the first is called Mizuhana 1355. In 1355, a book was written on brewing called Goshu no Nichi. This book describes in the detail the Bodaisen, brewing process of Nara's Bodaisen Shoryakuji Temple known as one of the birthplace of sake, we referenced this recipe in the making of this sake. The sake is brewed in the summer using a high temperature, a zero stage fermentation. Zero stage means that the sake is brewed with just a starter. The second product is Mizuhana 1568. In 1568, a recipe for sake brewed at the Kohokuji Temple, a prestigious temple of the Fujiwara clan, was written by a monk called Eishun in his diary, Tamoin Nikki. The sake is brewed in the winter using a low temperature, three-stage mushing for fermentation. Uh -huh. That's excellent. That's it, it's great mm. because it's the same label, but they're both very distinct and they're both rooted in, in something that's that's also really clear and really identifies with the time and yeah, the yeah. message that, mm. you're, that you're working with. That's really nice. Yeah. We used to the, brew the old season, not only in summer, uh, not only in winter. Mm. Yeah, right. I said, and I think a lot of people forget that as well too. 
right? Yeah, you start yeah. you start <laughs> brewing in summer, and that that kind of changes mm-hmm. everything, doesn't it? Yeah, nobody knows the taste brewed in summer, like <laughs> right? But they will they will now with mizuhana. Right? Yeah, yeah, we will. Mm. <laughs> that's amazing. So so then, what does that sake taste like then? What what is the profile mm, of mm, mm. mizuhana or the sake that gets brewed in? Yeah, um, the, mm. in this kame. For mizuhana thirteen fifty five, the aroma created by the activity of lactic acid bacteria cause mold and yeast during the high temperature ferment has yogurt-like nuance, reminiscent of fresh dairy with a slight hint of wood. On the palate, a rich acidity from the fermentation processes is harmoniously balanced with honey-like sweetness and umami from the rice. Um, for 1568, the aroma created by the activity of lactic acid bacteria cause mold and yeast during the cold temperature ferment combines the inherent yogurt-like aroma from the lactic acid bacteria with a slight woody notes from the koji and the ripe apple notes from estels created by the yeast. On the palate, while the acidity and the sweetness are much more refined than 1355, it is much heavier compared to modern sake. Oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have to wait and see how the use of kame affects the brewing processes and the sake profile. But there is no doubt that the minerals from the kame make for a more vigorous fermentation. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's, mm-hmm. that's I mean, you're, it's, a, it's a new frontier, right? You know, recently you've been seeing more breweries um, try to reinstate um, oke and kioke, and you're seeing a lot of breweries mm-hmm. and tojis figuring out how to use those for the first time. And now you're in a position where you're you're having to figure this all out for the first time. There's almost there's almost nothing to go on. So it's really really that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what are the challenges then? Is there do you did you have to adjust anything from your conventional brewing process? Or mm-hmm. were there special techniques that you were referencing, or how did how did you approach this? Uh, these products are made in a different brewery than that of Kazenomori. As we are brewing on a small scale, we had to install a new cause loom, hoshiki, kame, the fune press, and a pump. Uh, Kyohokura, the brewery used solely for making Mizuhana label sake, is a renovation of the original brewery building of the same name from the 1700s. It marks the first time in 100 years that we have brewed on this site. Oh, that's amazing. So that, I mean, the brewery itself is, it's been there for a long time, but it's basically, it's mm. just, it hasn't been used for what, more than a hundred years now. 
Yeah, that's, that's mm. incredible. And so, and it's a much, it's a much smaller production than Kaze no Mori, right? Everything. Yes. yes. Right. Mm. Oh, that's incredible. That's got, that has to be fun to work with too. It's been so different. Mm. It is so interesting for me. Uh, yeah. We found a lot of things because uh, all of the process and the smaller scale for us, it is very new. Yeah, absolutely. So, found a lot of things yeah that's got to be exciting to be able to have that together with kaze no mori and to be able to do mm. those side by side i imagine it's mm. great for the brewers as well too right they can go mm. back and forth or if they can see both exactly for the first, mm. you'll see that's got to be fantastic mm. so is there anything about i mean it's a completely different method so it's hard to you know compare one to one what you're doing mm. with mm. kaze no mori but are there aspects of brewing with these pots that maybe that make it easier or less time consuming or how is it has it it kind of gets back to what we were just talking about but how has this really contributed to helping further your understanding about sake brewing today's sake techniques were developed with the cold brewing in mind we brew mizuhana in all seasons to create sake made before cold brewing became the normal however it is not possible to control the temperature of the kame. Therefore, we ferment in an environment exceeding 30 degrees C. Fermenting at this temperature often leads to new discoveries. I bet. And the cause enzymes are clearly more active and even closely polished rice dissolved properly. We were worried that we might not be able to keep the fermentation in balanced at such high temperatures, but a high sugar density from increased saccharification enables us to suppress the fermentation. That's amazing. It's as you as you keep working on this, I imagine there will be a lot more discoveries. I'm super excited to see what, what comes out of this. I'm curious, is there, historically, was there any, is there any record of, I guess, I imagine they did, but I imagine using these pots for storage, the Kame for storage could be something to think about down the road? Right. We have plenty of Kame. We have eight uh, Kame now. So yeah. I think aging in them is possible in future <laughs> yeah 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 you don't have any aging there now no we hadn't hadn't yet so not yet mm. okay you, you let me yeah do. yeah you let me know when you start that <laughs> how about export are you looking to take this uh this sake overseas and this sake tells an important story about sake's history so i would really like to export it yeah i imagine i imagine it's a little easier to handle uh than than Kaze no Mori as well too maybe overseas as far as logistics and things too it could be it could be a really really exciting option cool so I, just out of curiosity I know this is relatively new when did when did you first launch when did Mizuhana first become available to people um, it is due to go on sale officially in March okay but we have received advanced inquiries such as from the Nara National Cultural Research Institute for 
cultural properties with whom we are conducting collaborative research. Okay. Okay. So it's it's still the the world is still waiting to get a taste as of as of this recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> much excellent. Well. Excellent. Excellent. And we sold them uh, two hundred bottles in advance. Each bottle comes with a ticket to visit the Kyohokura and attend an on-site seminar. There are over 300 consumers and sake stores have already taken advantage of this ticket. I don't know if all other sake breweries are interested in what we are doing, but I would like to use this work as an opportunity to open up more communication with winemakers who are working with similar traditional vessels, as well as imports of Georgian wine. Oh, that's super exciting. I, I saw that there were opportunities to, to pre-order some bottles and mm -hmm. I sadly missed out on that. I'm gonna send me a message next time there's a, next time there's a chance. I will, I will make my way down to Nara for sure. You know, just, I mean, just the act of preserving these kinds of traditional crafts. I mean, it's not just the craft of the pots, but the, and the craft of the making of the sake in that, right? It's, I just think it's super important. I mean, what other, what other kind of benefits do you see it might be sort of peripheral to this sort of project? Mm -mm -mm. And the first benefit is, there, is this sake crafted using what was essentially lost brewing method can play an important role in the diverse diet of Japanese people today. The style of the sake produced is an incredible match for anything from tandoori ticking to aromatic blue cheese. Excellent. And the uh, second benefit is the accumulation of skills within our brewery. The average age of our staff is around 30, and many of them joined us because they wanted to make sake. However, when brewing sake on a large scale, like Kazenomori, the work is always divided, and it takes a long time for a single person to experience every stage of the process. However, with Mizuhana, because we brew in 100 kilogram batches of rice, it is possible for those with less experience to take an active role in the brewing process, which we believe is of great importance in the development of those who want to become sake brewers. Yeah, though that's fantastic. It's, uh, I'm jealous. That sounds amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That sounds absolutely, that's such a fantastic opportunity. I said, you're gonna, you're gonna end up stockpiling so much um, skill and craft and information yeah. that, that no, that, right? That most people in the industry haven't experienced yet. That's gonna be- Normally when I make sake, we are making by team. Yeah. One is for steaming rice, uh, the other guys for adjusting the temperature. 
the others are uh, making cozy. Yeah. But the, when you make the mizuhana, the old of the uh, process are small. Yeah. So it is easy to understand what should I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The each section. Absolutely. So, mm, it means very easy to get to the uh, technique. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, and and you can every see the, all yeah. of the method, all of the second making method. Yeah, absolutely. Smaller time, shorter. Absolutely, and then when you have that, you can see very clearly how each decision yeah, impacts yeah. everything mm, exactly. else too, mm. right? Oh, that's fantastic. That's really exciting. It's wow. You know, I I don't want to take up too much of your time here. It is the weekend. Um, what any any last message or anything you want to share with our listeners? I know this is just coming out into the world um, here here shortly. Is there anything you want uh, any everybody to know about uh, Mizuhana or Kaze no Mori or anything else you got planned? Right, and I just wanted to thank all of the listeners out there who have managed to discover for themselves the magnificent flavors and the joy of sake. I hope everyone will continue to explore the possibility of sake wherever it is they call home, as well as further develop an appreciation for what history still has to tell us about this drink we love. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. I look forward to, I said, it'll, it'll be March here shortly. So I'll be, I'll be chasing down some Mizuhana here very, very soon. We'll talk to you soon. I'll see you in Nara next time. <laughs> welcome. We are always welcome. <laughs> Amazing. We'll be there for sure. And that will do it for this episode and this pair of special episodes looking at Kamijikomi here at Sake on Air. Let us know what you thought, what you enjoyed. Uh, hop on over to visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at, at Sake on Air, or go ahead and let us know your thoughts by sending us a message at questions at sakeonair.com. We will be back with more Sake on Air next week. Until then, kampak! Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center located in the heart of Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Potsuke Productions with audio work by Mr. Frank Walters.